Hey everyone, you're listening to the Connect Church Podcast. We hope this sermon inspires you as well as builds your faith. Enjoy the message. We're starting a new series today called Made for Hope. Made for Hope. And today's message I'm going to call Hope in the Darkness. I don't know about you, but when I look around... And I read the news, and I talk to people, and I have conversations, and you find out what's going on in their life. There's a lot of hopelessness going on, isn't there? There's a lot of despair. There's a lot of, I don't know what the world looks like. I don't know how I fit into the world. I don't know what this means for me. I don't know what this means to me. I don't know. I just don't know anymore. It doesn't matter how you feel about Donald Trump as a president. The dynamics in the United States are creating chaos. Half the country can't stand the guy. They want to kick him out. The other half of the country is in love with him. It's creating chaos. It's creating chaos in the world. You see it in social media. You see that people feel hopeless. They look at him and they say, this is hopeless. Our country's falling apart. doesn't matter what you feel one way or the other. The facts are there's chaos and there's hopelessness reigning. And as much as we like to try and not admit it, but how things go in the States does affect Canada, doesn't it? It does. When you look around, you see in Canada, hey, we just legalized weed. Great idea. Great idea. This is me being sarcastic. I wasn't sure. Some of you are like, maybe, maybe Jake thinks this is a great idea. His eyes look a little bloodshot, and I saw him eating some uh, snacks before the service started, so I don't know how Jake feels about this. The sarcasm. I don't feel like legalizing weed is a great idea. Sure, there's all kinds of things you could talk about. Well, it's for medicinal, sure, sure. There are medicinal properties in weed that are good and that work for some things, but recreational drugs, legalizing that is never a good idea. And you could look around saying, what is happening to society? What is happening in our life? can't remember who I was talking to. I feel like it was somebody here, and they were talking about, you know, I'm concerned about the environment that my kids have to grow up in the day and age where they have to go to school where this is normal, where it's normal to have kids walk around smoking cig weed because you're okay. You're allowed to do that. And you could say, this looks weird. There's no hope for society. But I want to tell you today there is hope. I want to tell you today that it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter your relationship status. It doesn't matter what the bank says. It doesn't matter what your husband or your wife says. It doesn't matter what your doctor says. I want to tell you today there is hope. There really is hope. You could say, you don't know my life. You don't know the conversations I have. You don't know the thoughts I think. You don't know the amount of times I've tried to kill myself. You don't know how much I don't like this person, how much I can't stand my family situation, how much debt I'm in. You don't know what the doctor says about my health. You don't know any of these things, so how can you tell me there's hope? I can tell you there's hope. Because our hope is in Jesus. Because our hope is in our Heavenly Father. Who the Bible tells us is greater 
than anything else. There's no name that is higher than his name, right? The Bible says that Jesus has the name that is above all names. And so what does that mean? It means that nothing, anything that you can put a name to, anything, anything you can put a name to, the name of Jesus is still higher than that. Close your eyes for a second and think. Think of something in your life that is an issue for you. Now I want to tell you this. The name of Jesus is higher than that issue. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter. If you have your Bibles today, let's go to the book of Job. The word hope is mentioned more than a hundred times in the Bible. Apparently it's something we need to understand and that we need in our lives. Hope is the thing. Now, over the next coming weeks, we're going we're gonna to talk about this series for a while. We're going to talk about what is hope. We're going to talk about what I do and what I don't have hope in my life. We're going to talk about all these things. Today, I'm bringing you a very simple message. And I feel like today I need to encourage you that there is hope. And we're going to look at Job in the Bible. And we're going to look at a few other scriptures. And we're going to talk about there is hope for your life. That life is not hopeless regardless of what your circumstances say. So the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 1, it starts out and it says, There was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz, and he was blameless and a man of complete integrity. He feared God and he stayed away from evil. And he had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact the richest person in that entire area. This guy had it all, didn't he? If you had today 7,000 sheep, you would have a lot going on for you, wouldn't you? If you had whatever he had, 3,000, what was it? 3,000 camels. That's, I don't know why you'd want one camel, but 3,000 camels... That's 10,000 animals right there. That is a lot of livestock. In today's standards, you would be rolling in the dough. Then he had 500 teams of oxen. So a team is two. So it's like 1,000 ox he had. Because oxen is the plural of ox. Grammar lesson for you all. Take that home. Write it down. You can use it later. 500 female donkeys. I don't know why that matters, but apparently it does. He had lots of servants. He was the richest person in the entire area. Now, what is the story of Job about? The misery that befalls Job, isn't it? This guy's got it all together. And I want to tell you today, see, that the lie the enemy brings to you is this. You're all alone. Nobody has it as bad as you. Nobody understands. Only you deal with this issue. Nope, nobody else has ever had that thought in their entire life. You're the only person that's ever thought. What he tries to do, and you see this in nature. The enemy does what? He tries to pull you away from everybody else. Who loves watching the Nature Channel? Who loves watching those, like those, 
those, nobody wants to put their hand up for the Nature Channel. But there are some things, Sloan says, yes, I like that. Okay, and Lee Lee said she likes the Nature Channel. And Cam said he likes the Nature Channel. There are some things to watch on the Nature Channel that are amazing. One of them is when you watch, um, you know, isn't there one called, like, When Predators Attack? Yes. For some reason, we all love that, don't we, Randall? We love watching animals maim other animals. Like, watch this. And what do you see happen? What do you always see happen? There's a big herd of gazelles prancing around. They're all prancing around, aren't they? There's prancy, prancy, prancy. I'm a gazelle, la, la, la. And there's always like this herd of lions or this herd of gazelle-eating animals. And they're over here and they're watching. And what do they do? They begin to swarm the herd. And all the animals start running and they run in a big herd. They all run in a big herd. Because if you're in a herd, you're okay. Especially if you're in the middle of that herd, you're really okay. But when you're on the outsides of that herd, and when you start falling behind from the herd, and when you get off by yourself, what always happens? Somebody rings the dinner bell. What the enemy tries to do is get you off by yourself. Listen, that's why it's important to be in church. That's one of the most important reasons to be in church, so that you're not off by yourself over here where nobody's helping you, nobody's keeping you connected, nobody's saying, hey, what's going on in your life? How are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm feeling really weird today. Oh, tell me about it. Let's talk about that. When you're by yourself, you're susceptible to attack. And the enemy wants to get you all alone so that he can begin to bring lies to you. You're the only person. <sighs> I don't know what happened. Nobody's ever thought this thought before. I don't, I don't know how you came up with this thought. You just, Jake, this was your own thought, and you're the only person that's ever thought it. So must be true. But I want to tell you this. That's a lie. Because we all deal with the same issues in different ways. The things that you deal with, chances are somebody else in this room has dealt with those very same issues. Chances are they've had to go through those things. You're not by yourself. So we look at Job. Job had it all together. And sometimes we look, especially in today's day and age with social media, we compare our lowest points in life with somebody else's highlights, don't we? Because nobody puts the crappy pictures on social media. Do we? Oh, I had the worst day of my life. Here's what I look like when I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. No. Nobody posts those pictures. Nobody posts a picture of their junky car falling apart, blowing a blue cloud of smoke, being like, check out my sweet ride. Nope, nobody does that. They post pictures when they get a new car. They post pictures when they get their hair done. They post pictures of their new clothes. So we're always comparing everybody else's best against our lowest. And I want to tell you today, Everybody's the same. We're all the same. We all deal with the same issues. You're not alone. Job had it all together. We look at people who seem to have it all together, and I want to tell you this. They're the same as you. They deal with the same issues that you deal with. So this is what happens. In verse 6, we leave from looking at Job's life, and suddenly in the book of Job, in verse 6, we're in heaven. And the Bible says the sons of God came before God and Satan came as well, which is a really interesting sentence to me 
And maybe someday we'll go down this road. But in the heavenly courts, God is there, the angels are there, and Satan comes in. And God and Satan begin having this conversation. And God says to Satan, where have you been? Satan says, I've been roaming around seeing what's happening on the earth. And God says to Satan, have you checked out my servant Job? He's completely blameless and full of integrity. He lives life to the fullest. Look at all he has. And Satan says, well, of course he's completely blameless. And of course he has integrity because you protected him and kept him safe. And Satan says, if you take everything away from him, Job will curse you. And God says to Job, fine. Go and have Adam, but don't harm him physically. So let's look at verse 13. Now while we read this, I want you to think about your life and your bad days. Okay? One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabians raided us. They stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one alive who escaped to come and tell you. Verse 16 says, while that guy was still talking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds, and I'm the only one who escaped to come and tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. And guess what? I'm the only one alive that got to come and tell you about it. Verse 18 says, while he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed. All your kids are dead, and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. I want to tell you, you're not the only one. You're not the only one that deals with the things that you deal with. Job had it all together, he had everything. And all of a sudden, in a matter of moments, he goes from having everything to completely losing it all. But can I tell you, in the midst of that, there is still hope. In the midst of your marital issues, in the midst of your doctor's diagnosis, in the midst of crazy kids, in the midst of bad relationships, in the midst of going broke, there is still hope. We don't have this scripture for the, seat, for the screen, but in verse 20 it says, Job stands up, he tears his robe in grief, then he shaves his head, fell to the ground and worshiped. He said, I came from my mother's womb naked, and I'm going to be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord forever. You cannot underestimate and you cannot undervalue that phrase. Praise the name of the Lord forever. 
That word forever. What does forever mean? All the time. Forever and ever and ever and ever. So what does that mean? In the midst of whatever you're going through, our answer should be, praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. God, I thank you. God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I don't know what happened to all my money. I don't know how I got this sick. I don't know how my relationship got this messed up. I don't know how my kids ended up being so crazy. I thought I was a good parent, but from what all accounts, from standing back and looking, I, even I think my kids are crazy. I don't know how that, I'm not talking about my kids, just to clarify. I don't know how I got to this place, but in the midst of these circumstances, in the midst of this storm, I will praise your name. If you go into chapter 2, same thing happens again. The Bible says that Satan comes in to the courts of heaven before God, and they have the same conversation, and this time Satan says, well, if you do something to a skin, Job will certainly curse you. And then we see that Job has boils that come over his entire body. Job is just having the worst day ever. He's lost everything, and now he's covered in boils. Have you ever had a boil in your life? It's terrible. It is not fun. And Job was completely covered in boils. Go with me to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31, 17 says, there is hope for your future. I want you to know that even when you think your future is hopeless, God is still declaring there is hope. You need to let that sink into your heart. Because so many times we look at our circumstances and we say, there is no hope. This is hopeless. But in your darkest moments, at your worst times, even though you could be saying there's no hope, God is still saying about you and your life and your future, there is hope. In Jeremiah chapter 29, starting in verse 10, it says, this is what the Lord says. You're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. And I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. God thinks about you. God sits in the heavens and he thinks about you and he has plans for you and he has futures written for you. And those futures are futures of hope and of purpose. He has a plan for you. It's a plan for good. What does John 10.10 say? The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. God's plan for us is to have a good future. He's got good things for you. If you look in verse 12, it says this. In those days, those days being the dark days, being the bad days. See, in context, these people were carried off to Babylon. These were Israelites that King Nebuchadnezzar had captured and taken to Babylon. And he's saying, in those days, when things look terrible, when you don't understand, when you don't know why you're going through what you're going through, when you don't know what's happening and you can't put your finger on it, God says, in those days, at those times, in the midst of those circumstances, if you will do this, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. We only got a few minutes left here this morning. And I want to show you something because I know that some people are visual. So I want to show you guys something. I'm going to shut off all the lights in here. It's okay. It's going to be dark for a few minutes. I think we'll be okay. It's going to be pitch black. If somebody's grabbing your hand, it's only your husband. There's nobody else besides you. Just, if somebody grabs your hand, it could be either your dad or your sister. Or me. And I want to show you something. We're going to shut off all the lights in here. So if all the lights in here are completely off and it's completely black, we can't see much, can we? I woke up this morning at 10 after 4 and I was laying in bed thinking about church, thinking about all of you, thinking about what God wanted to say. And God said, there's hope in the darkness. And he began to talk to me about this visual right here. About how some of us view our future as dark, as black, as not seeing there's any way to move forward. You can't see anything in front of you. You can't see anything behind you. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. All you see around you is darkness. And God says, this isn't the future that I have written for you. I have plans for you. I have purposes for you. To give you a future and to give you a hope. And when we don't have hope, we attribute hopelessness to darkness. And there's a scripture in the Bible, in John chapter 1, 
verse number five. It says this. It's a light that shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And even in this room right now, light dispels the darkness, doesn't it? We could be in complete pitch black if these things here didn't light up and you didn't see the exit signs and you didn't see the green light on the cameras over there and you didn't see the light from the sound booth, we would be in pitch black. And what I love about light is that even the smallest pinprick pushes away the darkness, doesn't it? It doesn't have to be a massive floodlight. It's not hard for light to dispel the darkness. It's not hard for light to move the darkness out of the way. Light just moves darkness out of the way because it is what it is. It is light and it is removing darkness. And the Bible says the light shines in the darkness. And here's the thing. The darkness has not and cannot overcome it. So I want to say to you today that maybe you are here and you feel like your future is black. You feel like there is no hope. You feel like there is hopelessness everywhere you look. In every situation of your life, you feel like there is no way you can move forward. You feel like there is no outcome from these circumstances that will bring victory and restore hope to your life. And I want to tell you today that's a lie from the enemy. And the Bible says that Jesus is the word. If you back up the first few verses in the book of John, it's talking about Jesus was the word and the word became light and dwelt among us. And the darkness cannot, no matter what it tries to do, it cannot overcome the light. Thank you so much for joining us today. We want to encourage you to take what you just heard and let it go deeply in your heart to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only He can do. We also want to encourage you to be a part of what's going on here at Connect. Head over to connectchurch.ca to find out how.